everyone. This is Liz Easton, and I wanted to take a quick second to invite you to listen in to the PC Book Club. <laughs> Wait, I need to start again. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Liz Easton, and I wanted to take a quick second to invite you to listen to the PC Book Club, a.k.a. PCBC. Every so often, Ricardo Avila and I chat about the books that you should be reading right now. It's just like sitting on your own private book club discussion, only there's probably slightly more references to true crime and Charles Dickens. <laughs> I did not write this. <laughs> um, we may have to re-record that anyway, because I think you just said it's just like sitting on your own <laughs> private book club. She did. That was great. Sitting on a book club. Sitting on a private book club. That's pretty racy. Sorry. Should I try again? It's just like sitting in on your own private book club discussion, only there's probably slightly more references to true crime and Charles Dickens. So if you're looking for the class with an occasional dose of the sass, then check out the PC Book Club right here on the Popping Collars feed. Class and sass. Love it. <laughs> I was praying to the Lord for some fun. Hi, I'm Greg Knight. Hey, I'm Ryan Parker. And this is PCTV, a popping collar side project where we randomly select current TV show that you should be streaming right now. Ryan and I have each picked six shows from the top streaming apps, including Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, Max, Prime Video, Apple TV. And this month, we're talking about the Prime series, The Underground Railroad. Here, I saw a dappled wonder settling across the fields, hovering on angel wings, brandishing a blazing shield. Where do they go? The ones that run away and never return. There is nothing here but suffering. Pain and suffering. It is time to go. The girl in that bulletin is wanted for the murder of a child. Man lost my mom, then me. Ain't no way he ever given up on finding me. There's anger in you. He'll fuel you, yes. What's the worst kind of fuel? The worst kind. Savagery a man is capable of. When he believes his cause to be just, came all this way on the railroad. Yeah. I left behind all those peoples. Nothing was given. All was earned. Hold on to what belongs to you. What's their name? 
Ryan, I have a brief description of this TV show. Would you like to hear? Yes, I would. Yeah, I do not think that Colson Whitehead wrote this description, but here it goes anyway. I don't think he did. I doubt it. A young woman named Cora makes an amazing discovery during her attempt to break free from slavery in the Deep South. Okay. What else do we need to know about Underground Railroad? That, along with the title, I mean, that's really it. I mean, it, it that's the, the bare bones, but as we're going to get to, it's just, it's so much more than that. Um and I don't know where to start. Yeah. Um, so okay. So let me. Everybody, don't don't listen to this podcast. Clearly, if you have the show, so say that. Then yeah. Yeah. I mean, but she she uncovers and the titular Underground Railroad, and it is a real railroad. Uh, this is based on Colson Whitehead's best-selling, critically acclaimed novel of the same name, which I have not read. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not watched this series until you until we randomly selected it from the options. Mm-hmm. And I have to confess, I don't know that I would have watched it. I know it's going to be good for me, and I know that I should watch it. And and ultimately, I'm very glad I did, because I think it boasts some of the better performances of that year. Come back to that. Mm-hmm. And I think it is. I think it's an instant classic in terms of prestige television, or should be and slave narratives yeah so um and we kind of will definitely get into that later but that that's kind of my i mean in terms of the synopsis of the series that's kind of all you need to know there's there are a couple other key characters that are basically in every episode uh chief among them being kind of a slave catcher played uh, to i think perfectly by joel edgerton Mm -hmm. uh yeah happy to see where you want to go with this where you want to start so, okay, so this was my pick for Prime Series, and the reason that I picked it was because it was, so I had never read the novel either, and I watched the first episode of the show mainly because it was featured on a bunch of TV podcasts uh, that I listen to and respect, you know, I, I appreciate the taste of the hosts and stuff like that. And so I was watching the first episode, you know, caught up in the slave narrative, which was, you know, pretty similar to um, some stuff that you've probably seen before. You know, I'm thinking of like Steve McQueen's 12 Years a Slave or um, something, you know, kind of a, um, you know, it's a harsh environment. It's 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 the Deep South, you know, 19th century. So it's it's uh, it's sort of a horrible scene to be set in. And nothing could have prepared me for the final shot of that first episode when Cora finds, you know, finds her way underneath the earth and discovers that there is a literal railroad running north to freedom. Like that was just such a shocking moment for me that my jaw was on the floor and I couldn't. I could not stop myself from watching the next episode to know how this was going to play out. It was just like that, just the possibility of that, taking that idea of the Underground Railroad literally and putting Mm -hmm. that into this environment and into this world, just it, it blew my mind. Well, you know what I found interesting on that same note is how what 
small part that actual railroad played in the series itself. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of, uh, it's an echo kind of, of a promise or a hope, but it's not like we're writing on it every episode. Right. Um, and I also thought the, the constructor, you know, the, the building out of that railroad whenever we were underground was absolutely brilliant. It can't be. Sorry, ma'am, but it is. You can't just leave me here. The station agent will be alone. I'm sure of it. I wish I could give you more, man, but this is all I got. It'll tide you over for a while. Where you come from, miss? Georgia. You a long way from Georgia. Must be made of tough stuff. Take care yourself now, Miss Cole. It was almost as if, like, that whole space was alive. Like, you could always hear there's a there's something in the distance mm -hmm. that is that's calling you or 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 kind of spurning you on. So. Yeah, that's a obviously, you know, I, I I may have to go read that novel now, but at least the way in which it's envisioned in the series is just really remarkable. Yeah, the the darkness of the tunnel, right? It's this mystery that you you don't know what's on the other side. And while you're not on the railroad the entire time, you are in a different state every episode, right? So so each or most of the episodes i would say Almost there, yeah there's one or two that that overlap where mm -hmm. i'm thinking of indiana there's two episodes in indiana right but yeah for the most part you're correct yeah it's, but for um, the most part you're progressively moving north you know on this um in this in the narrative anyway if not literally on the train exactly. and i mean this is the thing right like this is a sci-fi element coming into you know, an historical retelling of, you know, the the slave story that we've kind of heard before. And mm -hmm. it's it's such a subtle sci-fi move to put the underground railroad, you know, the literal train underground, that it mm -hmm. opens up the possibilities of what potentially is in store for this show. Like, it's going to be something that's not far-fetched. It's not like UFOs are going to show up or anything like that. But there's going to be something that's going to be tweaked about history moving forward that's going to be compelling. And it's probably going to reveal something to us about the actual history that we've inherited from the story. Mm -hmm. Just the shocking potential of the railroad itself was what really propelled the story going forward. Yeah, but I still want to come back to the 
point that it's not a huge character in the series. The idea of it is, mm-hmm. I think, a little to your point. But you know, front and front and center is really two things: Cora's attempted escape and her mother's, and the the very painful, lingering question of why her mother left her, which right. holds until the very end of the series, mm-hmm. which is quite uh, masterful storytelling because you, if th- that is a major, major question and and component in her character. And I think it's in the last, what, five to 10 minutes of the whole series that we realize what happened. Right. And yeah. it's excruciating. Uh, I want to come back to that episode later, but it's, it's, uh, it's incredible storytelling. So we know why I picked the show. So my question for you is what are your initial takes on the show? So what, what was your sort of knee jerk response uh, when you sat down and started watching underground? I think it's, it may be threefold struck by the performances, particularly of, um, as I said, the, the actors who uh, portray Cora, Thuso Mbedu who plays Cora and then, Joel Edgerton, who plays Arnold, but I think the whole cast—it's expertly cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to—I know we talk about our favorite performances, so I want to save another person. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, that obviously the writing's great, the idea of the Underground Railroad, um, and then two other things. This is a horror film, is what this is, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah, and and it's not. There are moments of physical violence and torture that are as disturbing as anything we've seen it automatically makes you think of um 12 years a slave but also of just the emotional terror and torture that i think as is executed here better than other than some of the other narratives that we've seen and again i want to come back to that particularly in the last episode um and then finally for me the religious component to it Uh, Mm -hmm. which I know we'll talk about in Theology Corner, but there was a moment I was taking notes on each episode, and one question I asked myself or made a note to ask you as well, and this may be kind of an ignorant question or or an incomplete question, but I I think it shows the absurdity of basing anything on Scripture. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea that we can just take Scripture and found a society on it. Like, this is is where that goes. Right. Ultimately. It's it's used to uh, abuse and imprison and oppress and yeah, um, I think yeah, the there's level a couple... of justification for heinous you know heinous acts yeah it just it, it's enough to make you want to walk away from the 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 community altogether like right. that, that 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 happened and I and I know there's very good reasons not not to do that but it's just uh, it's so intense so intense yeah my knee jerk. Um feelings on this was that this is the best show that Amazon has like for in my mind bar none it's it's fascinating because every time I think about Amazon and we'll get into this and you know what is it industry corner probably but every time I think about Amazon I think of like a lesser than version of Netflix you know it's like it's the shows that Netflix didn't want is kind of what Amazon has, but they sneak up on you with stuff like this. Like they have stuff in their library that's legitimately like really good. Like some of the best television that you can possibly find. And the Underground Railroad is one of those mainly because I I would, yeah, I I would, I agree. I mean, I I think um, 
if you if you go to Rotten Tomatoes and look up quote unquote, you know, like best Amazon series, there are several series that have hundred percent, you know, ratings. Mm-hmm. But I think of series like Catastrophe or Fleabag, um, both of which are comedies or dramedies, if you will, mm-hmm. but of kind of recent series. I mean, this is far and away. Like Yeah, it just, it's just different class it has the feeling that and it's not unlike some of the things that netflix will do too you know where they just give all tours the opportunity to to cook basically right it's like you give barry jenkins like he wants to make this this television series he wants to make this long form movie and we'll get into that a little bit more about what this actually is but he wants to make this long form movie and it feels like Amazon just got out of his way and let him do it. And the amount of creativity that these people have, these amazing sort of directors and creators and thinkers and artists have, when you let them just sort of sit back and do their thing, this is what results. They make tremendous art as a, as a result. And Absolutely. it's great to see. Um, what is your best scene, sequence, episode, or storyline? Okay, so I'm gonna go first here. I think um well, it's it's it really is hard to say. There are a couple episodes that I didn't care for just in terms I felt that they were they were a bit of a distraction. But I, I think the North Carolina episode was particularly mm. devastating because of of what we know happens towards the end of that episode. But then what we later learn didn't happen (laughs) but where where you know fora is quote unquote rescued uh but in being rescued by an abolitionist a secret abolitionist she's forced to hide out in an attic right uh, or like the crawl space of an attic um kind of like a you know anne frank situation but she also meets another black woman there young a younger Mm -hmm. black woman there who's also being held I mean, you'd have to say captive because she can't, the person is not, the abolitionist is not, abolitionist, excuse me, is not eager to let either of them go because of how risky it is. Right. Um, and so there's, there's, I don't want to, I may not spoil this part of the episode, but what happens to them um, in that episode? And then again, religion being a huge part of that community, right? Because in this version of North Carolina, um, African Americans aren't even allowed in in the state and, right and it's they're a, strung up as a warning at this community the road to this community they're strung up it's almost like crucifixes if you think about um some some scenes from old uh jesus films right mm-hmm. uh, so yeah I, I i thought that episode was particularly powerful i know this may be cheating giving a whole episode but that sequence anyway no i think that's right uh, that episode the north carolina episode was pure horror movie like i mean that was straight that was straight up horror um, yeah. from sort of being locked away in a room. You know, it starts with the breakdown of the train and Cora, you know, Cora's stuck, right? There's like that cave in and she can't get through and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's this idea that you are, tra- you are trapped and you're trapped with um, you're trapped in a world that wants to kill you. And that yeah. is, I mean, it is, harrowing from start to finish 
And Ridgeway, then this this horrible sort of demon that I mean, we should we should say that if there's a plot like the plot of the show, I guess if you can sum it up, is that it is a cat and mouse sort of plot, right? Cora is trying to get away from Ridgeway and to freedom. So she left the okra, but. Took the seeds. Took a mother's birthright. Because you don't know where her mammy is. She's not running to somewhere. Just running away. That's good. Homer, take this down. Escaped from her legal master in Georgia. Slave girl by the name of Cora. A medium height and dark complexion. In part, he is fueled by his anger and regret over his failure to capture her runaway mother. Right. One one wonders. I, one wonders if he would just simply let this go had he had he been able to capture her mother because he he sees that as a debt owed to the 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 slave owner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really fueling his pursuit. And so n- the North Carolina episode stands out because all you want as you're watching the show is for her to get away from Ridgeway, and yet North Carolina is such a horrible place that Ridgeway acts as her savior when he finds her in that episode, which is, I mean, that's how terrible and horrible that storyline is for that episode, right? That the boogeyman that's chasing you is actually your salvation. I I, I tried to watch a couple of episodes at a time and I only, I could only watch that one, that particular Uh, when it ended, I had to just turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say that's right. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was the second episode. It was the South Carolina episode. Okay. Which I think was the second episode, right? Because she leaves, she leaves Georgia. She goes to South Carolina. I think that's right. But, uh, yeah, but you couldn't find this idyllic community, right? That is exactly attempting to quote, rehab the the slave right this idea of rehab for the first time ever these savages from the darkest jungles of africa are traveling on the vast ocean they've never seen the ocean like that before for the first time ever they spoke with a white man and learned his language instead of the gobbledygook that they used to speak in darkest africa for the first time ever, they had a proper cup of tea. And guess what they drank out of in the depths of the darkest Africa? Human skulls. Ooh. You got a dress for Saturday? Mm-hmm, you seen it. The pink one? I had to use script, but uh, it was worth it. <laughs> Exactly. So that was the thing that caught me off guard was that it is a 
significant tonal shift from the first episode to the second episode. It's almost Mm -hmm. like you've started watching a different show. And there was a part, there was a moment where I started the second episode where I was thinking to myself, wait a second, is this just going to be like, um, you know, like a series of vignettes, like we're going to be following a different, you know, a different storyline each time. It never even occurred to me that we were still on Cora because everything looked so different from the first episode, from that sense of struggle and, you know, desperation and flight to all of a sudden everything looks idyllic, but it's idyllic in a way that's that betrays the sinister heart of it all, which is it that feels it's like a- still slavery. It's just slavery with like pretty outfits and perfume, right? Well, it's even in some ways it's more nefarious, right? Because mm-hmm. of selective breeding and um, all that kind of thing. And I, it, you're exactly right. I hadn't thought about it quite in that way where you, it is kind of a, it's a, it's an extreme tonal shift so much so that I thought, well, did I slip into a black mirror episode mm-hmm. or something to that effect? And then my favorite episode, or you know, the most challenging episode, you know, that w- we just talked about, North Carolina, is episode three, which right, in yeah. and of itself is totally different. It's a, th- it's three episodes, all three are completely different. You get kind of a, a bit of whiplash, and then mm-hmm. I, I really do. It does feel like after she leaves South Carolina, it does kind of settle into the chase, right? I mean, you get mm-hmm. you get you get an episode of backstory for Arnold. Um, there's another idyllic setting that she could stay in in Indiana, but it really is kind of a forward momentum after the third episode. Yeah, once you get to like once Royal comes onto the scene is when everything starts to kind of, you know, kind of um, level out a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like I mean, you can think of it in terms of the railroad itself, like this sort of steep incline out of the deep south slavery right and trying to reach that level balance of sort of the free north but then getting dragged back into hell again like that's kind of that's kind of how the story itself works it's very disorienting to start it kind of starts to level out and then it gets disorienting again sort of towards Mm -hmm. the middle yeah um which i think is a pretty good mirror of cora's actual experience you know and like just it it helps you to empathize with the character that you're following yeah um but yeah i i i really did it was the you know it was the the temptation i think of the south carolina section that made it you know particularly interesting for me it was this idea of you know, you could justify to yourself to yourself staying in a place like that because it's not nearly as bad as the place that you left. Oh, yeah. But it's still not freedom. And freedom is what you're looking for. Right. Yeah. It's a it's a very subtle temptation, but it is a yes. it is a heartbreaking temptation. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. My dog was trying to run back up here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I like how you uh, we I would say just cut to this because. I like how you you say that the, the temptation and the peace and the the comparative comfort is mm-hmm. not freedom. That's yeah. really that's what I said. Yeah. Um, so what is your best performance 
of the episode. Putting aside that, you know, Korra, Thusu Mbedu, who is... Revelation. I think I may have seen The Woman King before I saw this, which she is also incredible in The Woman King. Like, yeah, I need to watch that. Yeah, um, but, you know, putting aside the fact that she is amazing as Korra... Um, so what are what are what's the best performance uh for you or what's a yeah i need to watch yeah i need to watch woman king well i mean she's clearly she owns this show and her range of emotion and even when she doesn't say anything just the way she carries herself is is great um I, really everybody everybody i'm just looking at this cast here and it's incredible mm-hmm. but i want to elevate um Chukwudi and Wuji, um, who plays Mingo, who is a lot of people will know him uh, from his recent turn in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Oh, okay. Villain in, in the Guardians, and he plays a smaller character in here, but I just think he's an insanely talented actor. Mm-hmm. Who I hope one day plays James Baldwin in a James Baldwin biopic, uh. quite frankly, because he's. If you hear him talk, and if you go back and watch, in particular, something like "I'm Not Your Negro," which, by yeah. the way, if you've not seen that, you need to watch that. Um, you can you can see some similarities in their the kind of way they carry themselves. And um, but anyway, he plays this character who um, there's a temptation there. I guess that's another theme too in the series, uh, where in Indiana, Cora stumbles uh, uh, upon this idyllic community of winemakers. Right. Black winemakers who live on a farm and make delicious wine and live in peace and harmony uh, and are at some on some level uh, and at and a kind of tenuous, peaceful relationship with their white neighbors because their, their wine is so good. And they bribe the local judge to um, warn them of any slave catchers who might uh be looking for runaways in that community and they they do harbor some but people but mostly they they kind of move on but there's the two kind of the two patriarchs of that community uh, a man named Valentine and then Mingo have different ideas about what to do with that community uh, vis-a-vis their relationship with the white with their white neighbors mm-hmm. which is, is in and of itself interesting right Mingo wants to cut cut them in and make them business partners and Valentine I think thinks that this is a ruinous idea and right. wants to pack up and move west where we know there's better wine land uh and also more freedom so mm-hmm. yeah anyway I just I wanted more of him just because I'm such a fan of of his, of his. so that's for me it was uh it was Chase Dillon was stood out for me in this whole thing um, Let's talk about that. I want to hear your. T- I was I was dying to hear what you thought about that character the whole time. I was totally confused for like the first. I don't know. Well, until you get the Ridgeway origin story episode, right? Where um, where you learn about like how he, you know, how his mother died, how he related to his father, how he got into the slave hunting business, like all of that stuff, right? Like up until that point, you see Joel Edgerton running around with just this, this boy, um, this African-American boy um, who seems to be like his partner. 
in all of this. And it's just, it's, it's very, it's unsettling for a long time, right? Because you're just kind of like, what in the world is this? Um, but then you learn sort of more about where I think, um, what is his name? Homer. So Homer is who Chase Dillon plays. You learn a little bit more about where he came from, how it was that uh, Joel Edgerton's character found him and raised him. And as a result, like he makes more sense as a character as you get into the later episodes. But until then, he's just such a mystery because he's he's mute. He doesn't talk. But he's also very observant. So like the North Carolina episode, it's him that finds Cora upstairs. It's him that finds, you know, the clues as to where everything is, where they're hiding, where he can find them, all of that stuff. And I just I, I just found that in intri- I found that character mesmerizing because I never <laughs> knew what he was going to do next. I mean, it's it's a really interesting character. I, I agree with you. I the whole time I just thought, well, and this is this is where, you know, the extent and kind of the mental imprisonment and degradation of slavery that this that this child just seem readily does this, right? Mm-hmm. And there are multiple moments that he could save Cora. Right. Uh, no question, right? Uh, and and I guess that he he is a an individual and very detailed example of the oppressive nature of of slavery, which is <laughs> way too simply said. But well, and it also speaks to and you know this is something about the Joel Edgerton character, and you know maybe we can talk about this here since we're talking about performances. You're so right; like he is menacing sniveling he's he's both things at once he's like he's incredibly terrifying and also at the same time like incredibly pathetic um god and you sort of he plays both really well where you're you're really scared of what he's capable of but you're also like you you are disgusted by how this person became the man that he becomes it feels like an actor would lean into one or the other right to be like the ultimate menace or to be the ultimate coward and he but he does both which is very interesting he is a truly pathetic character even though he is a menacing one he's pathetic but he's evil and that's the part that so okay so there's two things that i would say one is that I remember when True Blood was on HBO. You remember that show? Oh yeah, With the vampires yeah. and stuff. Um, I, I think I, wrote, I think I gave a presentation on it in the UK once. Oh wow! <laughs> so so most of the actors that are on True Blood are Australian, right? And what mm-hmm. they what they I remember they said I think it was Alan Ball said Australians are better at doing Southern accents than English actors. Like they're able to slip into Southern accents easier than uh, British actors or something like that, because the Australian accent is pretty close to the Southern accent. And I was thinking about that. Is that what we're saying? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about that the whole time I was watching Joel Edgerton. I was like, man, he is 
on top of this accent. That's pretty impressive. Um, but then I remembered that he's Australian, so it makes sense. Um, but the other aspect of this, and this is more thematic to the character of Ridgeway, is it's a perfect example of how evil works, how you think that you've conquered it and you think that you've moved past it and you think you th- that you've moved on from it. And every time you think that it is in your rearview mirror and this time it must be dead, it always comes back. It always finds a way back into your life. And that's the, I mean, when you say it's a horror It's kind of like Trump. Yeah. When you say it's a it's horror movie, like, that's exactly what it is. It's Trump. Mm-hmm. It always finds a way. Yeah. 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 I'm, we're going to watch Jaws tomorrow night. It's like Jaws. Mm-hmm. It just keeps coming. Yeah. Like, there are so many moments in this where you're like, all right, well, that's it. He's dead. Like, he's he's handcuffed to a bed. He's, he's done, right? Like, Homer's going to take him out because... Um, because he knows just how evil this man is, but no, he gets freed again, you know, and it's just I, like I, it's, I, I almost, in that scene that you're talking about, I almost threw the remote at the TV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's almost like that's almost in funny games territory where it's like, no, 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 no. Our our protagonists were supposed to be out of this situation. You can't just put them back into this situation by hitting the rewind button, right? Like, no, this is ridiculous. Like, I mean, that's, that's basically what his character is. His character is evil and the evil, and he represents the evil of the world and the fact that it will not go away. It will not leave Cora alone. It will not stop pursuing her. The American world is a splendid a beacon of a shining beacon born of necessity necessity and production between the hammer and the anvil yeah conquer and build and civilize Lift up, lesser race, we lift, not lift up, subjugate. Lift our subjugate, exterminate, eliminate our destiny. A divine prescription. The American imperative. We all have our place. Now you. And me, slave and the slave catcher, the master and the colored boss, and everyone from the politicians all the way down to the, the new arrivals flooding into the harbors. The weak of your tribe, they're, they're already weeded out. I mean, they die in the slave ships, they die of our European parks, on the fields working the indigo cotton.
about some theology mm. well we talked about briefly the and i would like to hear you talk more about the that kind of the way in which religion functions throughout the show and the role that the scripture has but one of the things i thought was quite beautiful was cora's the way in which she clung to clings to uh the okra seeds yes yes faith, that's of hope, hope yeah. that's embedded in that little napkin and that little piece of cloth and mm-hmm. you obviously go to faith like a mustard seed and which i know could be a little yeah, trite, or the, but in, in yeah case, or the parable of the really, sower even too yeah, yeah it's extremely powerful and the nod to africa and uh to her mother and to her hope for a future uh it's just a beautiful note throughout the the series so that'd be one place i would go yeah, and and I mean that's a great point because you know these are life-giving things, right? These seeds, they have the ability to produce life and everything that else that's around Cora is life-taking. Um and so, you know, yeah. it makes sense that these these seeds are a source of hope for her because they're the one thing that she can plant in the earth and will grow and create something, yeah. Um, and also tie her back to to her family. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. Definitely, the idea of scripture is huge in this uh, story, and the the way that scripture can be abused in order to justify the worst human impulses, acts, atrocities, um, instincts. This is a a perfect example of how when empire takes a hold of your scripture, um, you're in real trouble. And that's what that's what I feel like this. um, That's what I feel like the show has its finger firmly on the pulse of, you know, there was a the the two episodes in Tennessee are quite good because it, Tennessee is just seen as a barren wasteland. It's been mm-hmm. burned to the at least the part that they walk. And it's yeah. almost like this the idea that this land is cursed. And if if that's the case, then why isn't all of the South cursed? Um, but we do see fertile plantations, if you will, like especially in the beginning. But there's a couple of moments, and I believe it's the second Tennessee episode, and this is where um, we see Cora briefly escape, and uh, we even have a moment where um, Arnold is captured. But there's this conversation that happens in the second Tennessee episode about eminent domain, mm-hmm. right? This idea that it it's 
a white Christian male's right to have this land and to take it by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. And the profound flaws in that thinking, but the way in which it's born out of a certain theological worldview, and that's on full display there. But there's this great moment where there's this great moment um, in that episode, and I didn't get the whole uh, line. I didn't take the whole line in the note, but um, he talks about, Arnold talks about the, maybe this internal struggle between kind of maybe empathy or compassion or sympathy and having some sort of positive feeling in in you. But he says it's nothing compared to the will of a heart that's overrun with hate. Mm. And he's he's clearly talking about himself. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the whole of the whole industry of, of slavery but he's clearly looking at himself of what he's become, which is so counter to his father, yeah. right? Who's and in fact, that's who he's talking about, right? He's thinking about his father, who is whose heart is full of the the love for and the search for the great spirit is what he calls it, yeah. and uh, love and compassion and and care and 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 that's what he says, you know, ba- basically paraphrasing. My father didn't stand a chance, right? Right? Yeah. His his there's no way he was going to influence me you know, into that future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking like, this isn't, this isn't too far off. I mean, these are two very different shows, but they're kind of touching on a lot of the same things that we talked about with reservation dogs. Right. And this idea of when your people is, when your people are, you know, hunted, destroyed, you know, actively, you know, active genocide has been, worked against them where do you find faith where do you find hope how do you find peace when like when you know an entire country is working to end your civilization it's it's fascinating um and again like the thing that i appreciate about the way that this story plays out is that it it just puts a foot so firmly in reality. You know, it's, it is a fantasy show. I mean, there, there is no, like, I mean, I I will say my, my wife read the novel. So she read the underground railroad before we started watching the show. And I remember one of the things that she said was the novel is so well written that at some point you start asking yourself, even though it is a ridiculous question, you start asking yourself, wait, so was the Underground Railroad an actual railroad? You know, because it's so it is so convincing and real in the way that it presents the world. It just does not lean into fantasy. It leans hard into reality. And so the fantasy elements take on this new meaning as a result, you know, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You know, all of that reality, it just makes you it just makes you reevaluate how how scripture plays out in this story you know how it, how it gets used how it gets used against people um okay i'm going to lead us into industry corner because i like what you had to say earlier and i maybe want to echo that but i also think that the moment that we record that we're recording this is day I don't know one million in the seemingly never-ending strike of writers and actors strike, which I completely support. But 
it, it is a moment that is a and as it continues will allow us i i am assuming you but my wife and i to catch up on some stuff that we haven't uh seen mm-hmm. and like this so um that's the where we find ourselves in the moment as an industry but i think um you no i don't want to steal your thunder because i know in case you have more to say about it but i love your idea of just amazon letting in an auteur cook here yeah. uh like like Jenkins and I know you probably have a couple others in mind, but yeah, I don't know if you want to say more about that because I'm looking at our notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So, so we've actually, we've already talked about Amazon. We had that whole conversation about how, you know, this is a website designed to sell you toilet paper, not the underground railroad, right? Or they, they'll sell you a copy Peabody. of the underground railroad too. <laughs> not a Peabody award-winning series, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, they just made that with, Couch cushion money, right? So you know, Amazon is what it is. It is a you know, it is a capitalist um, enterprise uh, to the nth degree. I understand what it is. However, you know, one of the things that Amazon has done recently that I would like to comment on is this: is this sort of freedom that they give artists to make the things that they want to make. And I was thinking, so there is this, there's Barry Jenkins, Underground Railroad, Barry Jenkins, who is an Academy Award winning director, uh, at least his picture won best, uh, best picture at the Oscars, Moonlight. And also another uh, director, Steve McQueen, who we've already talked about with 12 Years a Slave already, has made a series yeah. of uh, short films that as a whole are titled small acts, right? It's about five short films that he put together that essentially act as like a series. I mean, you can watch them as a movie. You can watch the underground railroad as a movie, or you can see them divided up as a mini series or as a limited series or as a television show. And I think the thing that I appreciate that Amazon is doing that I think maybe more streamers are going to start to enter this space. I think Disney Plus is kind of doing this too, because you could justify this with some of their MCU offerings. It's just basically saying it doesn't matter what's a movie or what's a TV show. If it's six hours, it can be both. It can be neither. Like, it's just good content, and we're going to put it out there. So I I think that... At no other point has the line been blurred as much as it is now between what is a TV show and what is a long form movie. And Amazon seems to be perfectly comfortable in this space. Yeah, because we caught, I don't know if it's particularly, I I guess it's an imprint of theirs, but we watched uh, Jury Duty recently and that felt the way it could have been a couple of longer episodes like three hour and a half episodes or whatever but it's um you know it's nine eight or nine 22 minute episodes it could have also just been a whole movie i mean right. like a, a six hour movie like you say or, or however long i think it's four i think it was told all told four hours worth of content that you know you could watch in one sitting um but yeah you're i, I think that's that's right. And in some level, on some level, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think you could justify, and even though season two is coming out, I think you could justify that Loki was just one big movie when it came out. We've already talked about it before. But all of those episodes flow into each other in a perfectly legitimate way. And you could think of it as a three-hour movie. You could think of it as, you know, a TV show with six episodes. It doesn't, like, I think that, I think that, that's helpful for creators. So again, I agree with you. Like the the WGA strike, the actors strike, we want we want these new things to get made because we, you know, new art is good art. What I'm learning from this is that there are no shortage of ideas that exist out there and whatever gatekeepers existed in the past that were like well, I mean, this is a good idea, but you you better figure out a way to cut it down to two hours. Or this is a good idea, but it only works as like a mini series that we can show on network TV over the summer. Like all of that is gone. And you have the opportunity, if you are an auteur on the level of like a Barry Jenkins or a Steve McQueen or a Martin Scorsese at Netflix or a David Fincher at Netflix or something like that, you can make whatever it is that you want to make, however long it takes you to tell the story, and you have the backings of a company as big as Amazon at your disposal. That's pretty impressive um, for what the future holds for storytelling, it seems to me. And certain storytellers, like there's not, you know, there, there's only a handful of people who are going to be lucky enough to have that kind of control. But, you know, for those, for those quality storytellers, you're exactly right. It's very exciting for us as viewers. And I think for the state of the industry, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does make you wonder like what, you know, for the longest time, movies were the best thing that you could do. Television was like secondary, but now I don't know. Like it, you could you could be like a Greta Gerwig. You could have the number one movie in the country this year in Barbie, and then your next project could be like a seven-hour, you know, miniseries on. Have you not have have you not seen the news? There's 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 rumor that she's been tapped to direct an adaptation of the Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, well, that's going to take longer than two hours to tell that story. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. But you're, it's exactly what you're talking about, that possibility of like, you know. Now, I wonder if it's what, what, what we used to see and we still do see when, when you have extremely successful independent filmmakers. I think of like Chloe Zhao and then she got tapped for a Marvel movie, The Eternals. Right. Yeah. Uh, Are you going to see now? Is it like if you make a really good blockbuster, you get tapped to do whatever the hell you want to in TV, Mm -hmm. you know, like streaming with a a much bigger and longer project, you know? So, no, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. All right. I think we got it. I think we got, you know, the wheel of death. What's a movie? What's a TV show? Who knows? Who cares? I guess that's our answer. Let's spin the wheel. I'm going to solve. All right. Cornokuro cabinet. Okay, so 
we have hit your Apple TV Plus, which we haven't talked about Apple. We've gone this entire year so far without talking about Apple. So, boy, that's going to be a fun. Their comedies are killing it right now. That's going to be a fun. um, That's going to be a fun industry corner when we get to that. Uh, But we have hit your Apple TV Plus show, which is trying. You have picked trying as your. Oh, yeah, that's a throwback. That's a. Oh, let's see. I'm wondering if I can replace that. You could replace it with another Apple show if you wanted. I mean, they've had what? They've had Silo has come out since then. Hijack has come out since then. Oh, Hijack is so good. Hijack is very good. Um, Platonic is absolutely hilarious. Um, Ted Lasso. Um, New season of the morning show coming out. I haven't watched that. My wife's watching that, though. I've watched Foundation. I've been getting into Foundation. Uh, No, we can stick with trying. All right. um, Have you seen it? So, okay. So here's a fun fact. And this is something that I've got to figure out before we do our next episode. I actually do not have Apple TV Plus. So I need to figure out a way to watch (laughs) trying. (laughs) You can you can like probably rent it or buy it on Apple. Yeah. Like on iTunes, or you can just pay one month and then delete it. Right. Yeah. I I think that's what I'll probably end up doing is signing up for a free trial, you know, for seven days and just binging the heck out of it. I think we should talk about trying because I feel like it will uh, we will introduce this series to people. All right. Yeah. The next month uh, is going to be the Apple TV Plus series trying. That's what we'll be talking about. Ryan, I can't wait. So thanks for talking Underground Railroad with me. I'll save us the usual jokes on the way out because that's not really what this show is. But um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited that we got a chance to talk about it. And uh, I hope a lot of people watch it if they thought it was homework before. I hope that we've given them a reason to to check it out. So well, I don't know that we've necessarily disabused them of that notion, but <laughs> we've given them reasons why they should do their homework. Let's put it there that you way. go. There you go. All right. uh, We will see you next time for trying. Trying.